0: We all want to win the Stanley Cup.
1: Welcome to, welcome
2: to, welcome to, welcome to Mile High Hockey Lab.
3: Mile High Hockey Lab. Playoff Edition. It's over! They did it! They did it!
2: Hello and welcome. This is the Mile High Hockey Lab, and you heard it the Playoff Edition. We are here just ahead of game number four between the Colorado Avalanche and Seattle Kraken tonight Um, in Seattle. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Adrian Hernandez. I'm here with Ezra Parter, Evan Liu, Jacob Wendling, Jackie Kay. We are super stoked. Jackie, I got you back. We're here. Can you hear us now? Yes. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So thank you for joining us. We're going to talk everything Colorado Avalanche just ahead of tonight's matchup. While I have your attention, please don't forget to like, subscribe, turn on your notifications so that you know every single time we are live and doing so, let's drop the puck and talk Colorado Avalanche and Seattle Kraken game four, two nights, um, and I want to double back a little bit to game three's victory and talk about Nate Dog, the man with the dog in him. Evan, I'll start with you. Oh yeah, there he is. There he is, right behind Ezra. <laughs> That's
0: hard so, to point. In that direction. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so, you know, it goes without saying that Nate had probably one of his best playoff performances in a while, other than, you know, maybe late in the, in last year's campaign, but definitely so far this uh, postseason, season Evan, what do you think about Nathan McKinnon's uh, performance? And I just want to drop drop a crazy stat on you before you, you mention your comments. He has six more, excuse me, three more points than Stephen Stamkos in 43 Less playoff appearances. Tell me what Ooh. you think.
4: Wow, I didn't know that. That's crazy. Um, I mean, I I had mentioned it in um in the pregame article for for game three about how McKinnon had only had one point in the entire series and it was an yeah. assist, right? Um, I guess you could say I willed it into existence. So you're welcome, as faithful.
0: <laughs> uh, boy. But
4: no, I mean that that's what you expect him to do, right? That you expect him to come out and lead this team and you know provide on a night-to-night basis right yep. and especially with with the captain gone his leadership now more than ever is super important and so hopefully the guys will take away a lot from that from that big saturday night win and take it into tonight
2: yeah and and i'll send this one over to jack to jackie i totally agree evan uh, a lot of people thought that, I mean, the narrative after Game 3 was that Nathan McKinnon just kind of put on a show and stole the game. Do you think that that's true, or does that kind of sell the game in and of itself short?
3: Um. Yes and no. I mean, looking back on it, probably his goals will be the most memorable. But I think the story of the game was definitely, like, the combination of what he did plus Miko and Makar. Mm-hmm. It was like the stars elevated, so I think that's more like the true narrative, but um, he definitely has a flair for those really flashy goals. Yeah. Um, He loves the first round. I think, I think after he put like 20 points on Arizona in the first round, like that's put like skewed his numbers incredibly after that. But like, he always seems to really start hot in the playoffs.
2: Yeah. and, And that's a good point. I feel like if, if you are looking at a first round matchup against the Colorado Avalanche and Nathan McKinnon's not at the top of your matchup board, you, you might be making a mistake. But at the same time, it's just so hard when you have Miko Rantanen and Kale McCarr, you know, also pitching in. And that leads me to my next question, which I'll send your way, Jacob. Um, it feels like, in at least in this series so far, the Avs have gotten their wins largely on the back of production from their key players and superstars. Do you think that that's something that's sustainable um, at least in this round? And then what do you think maybe if they potentially move on, is it sustainable deeper into the playoffs?
1: Um, Yes and no. I think it like, it it depends on what we mean when we say the word production, Um, you know, because if the lower lines are driving play and, you know, they're not stuck deep in their, in their own D zone um, and they're, you know, they're tiring out the, the lower lines and, you know, the apps are playing kind of their, their style of game their that, that high tempo, high pressure style of game. Then I think, yeah, you can kind of, you know, just depend on on the big guys for scoring because that's why they're there. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, the issue I think would be if those lower lines aren't pulling their weight and they are playing, you know, in their own end for, for most of the game, then I don't think it's necessarily a a sustainable type of production uh, that the, the top lines are doing because then, you know, they have to do every everything. So I think if the, if the, you know, bottom nine are able to take some pressure off of, I guess, well, now Miko's on the, on the second line. So bottom six are able to take some pressure away off of, off the top six. Um, you know, just in terms of puck possession and and defending and keeping the the other team back on their heels, I think that this can be a a sustainable model. But, you know, if if everybody's pushed back in in their own defensive end, eventually it'll it'll end in catastrophe. Yeah,
2: Yeah, that's what I worry about. Um, And I think that's – you can't expect your stars to be on every single night. I think we saw that in game one, um, that, you know, it's not something that – especially against – teams deeper and deeper into the playoffs, if that is your goal to get deeper and deeper, Obviously it's everyone's goal this time of year. Um, but Ezra, I feel like it's not necessarily one of those things that uh, has been all that glaring, although true, but we've been beaten over the head with the narrative that Seattle is the deeper team. Um, has that shown itself in your eyes or has it been more of about the Avalanche kind of shooting themselves in the foot and giving Seattle's depth opportunity?
0: I mean, I think that's a great question. I think I think it's it's definitely the case that Seattle has shown that it has scoring from all around the lineup. That that can't be denied. They've gotten goals from from every line at this point. Um, but I think that the the Abs lost one game on the back of their own mistakes, and they won two games on the back of their own strength. So yeah. you know, it it really comes down to how the Avalanche play, not so much how the Kraken play. They're doing their best, and their best is pretty good.
2: Yeah, I wrote in the pregame today and if you haven't checked it out head on over to milehighhockey.com we have all of your uh previews for every single playoff game and then we also dish out a live thread that you can jump on if you have not access to the game itself you can actually kind of follow along via our Twitter exchange but I wrote in today's preview that you know I don't I don't I don't in this I don't mean this as an insult to Seattle cuz I do think that they're a great team but I don't think this matchup is as close as it seemed so far based on the results. And I do think it's heavily influenced by the fact that the Avalanche have kind of shot themselves in the foot in certain scenarios. I mean, I think Miko put it best. They had 20 bad seconds in the second period of game three and they gave up two goals and the lead. So I think if if they cut down on those little things, the Avs can really start to get ahead of this matchup and that kind of all starts with tonight. And heading into tonight, we saw... Um, Kind of the usuals, one unexpected sort of, but that hit the wire um, a couple days ago, which is Nachushkin not on the ice today. Um, Helm also not on the ice, as well as Jack Johnson. Um, You know, Evan, I'll send this one your way, Mr. Managing Editor. I don't want to necessarily get too deep into the Nachushkin conversation because I got ridiculed online for doing so, but... It did lead to some shakeup in the lineup. What did you think of those lineup changes and how is it going to sit for you? Do you think they'll go with a similar lineup tonight? Um, If it ain't broke, don't fix
4: it, right? Yeah. So I think they're just going to go roll with the same thing um, for game, for game, I almost said game three, game four tonight. Uh, and, you know, I think – I think the unique thing that I took away from that lineup when I first saw it, because um, I missed the majority of the game on Saturday, was seeing that Newhook got promoted, or not promoted, demoted to the fourth line,
2: mm-hmm.
4: whereas then Nieto had moved up to the second line. Now, I don't know if it stayed like that for the entire game, or if it had been switched around every once in a while, maybe somebody who watched it um, more closely can can take a stab at
2: that, but um, yeah, I think that's I mean, pretty <laughs> accurate in terms of ice time, from from my yeah. perspective, yeah.
4: It is okay. Yeah. So I mean, who knows about that? I mean, it obviously sucks for Nachushkin, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I won't get much into it either. But I think the thing that kind of worries me the most is that he left with security from right. the hotel. Like, if he just had left on his own and Different. traveled back, like maybe I'd feel a little bit better about that. But mm-hmm. it was since it was like with security, and you know, nobody knows where he is or how long he's going to be out for. I mean, that's obviously the rightful thing to do, but it also mm-hmm. sucks. And it leaves probably, I mean, the Avs I think probably know more so exactly what's going on. So then Jared Bednar can make his decisions on, on the lineup and how he's going to move forward without him, even if it's not just tonight, right? If it's
2: mm-hmm. the rest of
4: the first round, the rest of the playoffs, you know, who knows something like that. So obviously it just sucks and whatever's going on, we wish him the best.
2: Yeah, we do wish him the best. And, and I, and I think that's the main source of, people's longing for answers is just concern based on how um, I I don't know tight-lipped the situation is out of the Avalanche camp, which is their responsibility and their um, it's what they get to do. So I don't have any problem with it. I just think that that's what has created a lot of this room for people trying to connect the dots themselves. When in reality, you know, we could be told maybe a little bit more, but that's not up to us. Um, Jackie, Evan touched a little bit on Alex Newhook and how it seems like he and, and Dennis Morgan and a few others aren't really getting much ice time. Typically that indicates that the coach is having a tough time justifying putting them on the ice. Um, What is it about, or excuse me, about Newhook's performance? And um, what, what do you think will have to change from them with Minachushkin being out?
3: Well, it's kind of like, Benner doesn't have any choice anymore. Like yeah. new or Nieto on the second line, just that's not sustainable Mm-mm. because he really hadn't been getting played much at all since he came back over to the avalanche. So, right. um, and he did have the 15 minutes now, three minutes of that, I think was penalty kill. Uh, so that skews it a little, but he definitely did have more than like Morgan and new hook. So, you know, I think Eller is going to play up some. Okay. Uh, it also seems like they like that new hook Cogliano O'Connor. I think there was some commentary about that today leading into tonight's game. So that could be part of the reason and not it's not that it's necessarily a demotion. It's just that's Better with combo. what's available, yeah. That's yeah. kind of the the best composition, but yeah, moving forward, you would hope that new hook will be able to fill in some of that offensive quality that they're desperately missing at this point like it's almost astonishing that they can win any games with the forwards they have obviously the stars (laughs) yeah (laughs) I mean the stars I
2: I hear you especially when you look at the ice time like Morgan and Newhook have averaged less than nine minutes of ice time in the first two games
3: and it's like yeah we have the superstars and I think that'll get them through this series but it's not gonna take them very far. I just yeah. I just think they're missing way way too much. Like it's just they haven't gotten anybody ready to call up. They just haven't done anything. And it's like this is what you're left with.
2: But Yeah. Yeah, and I'll 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 send that those talking points over to you, Jacob. Do you
1: agree with that? Uh yeah, generally, you know, ice time is always the easiest way to, to read at everything. And generally like if you if you look at the ice time the five v five ice time from, from last game. You know, Bednar trusts his top six. He doesn't t- trust his bottom right. six, and that that's kind of essentially where where we're at. And so, because of the the style that uh, you know how Bednar coaches games, he's always going to try and sneak extra shifts for for his top guys, especially you know in in key games in the postseason. And so, I think we're we're starting to see a more extreme kind of version of that. Um, and so that's why you know you're seeing a lot more ice time for, for the top six relative to the bottom six. You know, there were five guys last game who had less than 10 minutes of 5v5 mm-hmm. uh, five, five ice time. And I think that's just, you know, to speak to Jackie's point that there's just not a whole lot of depth there. And it's just, it's hard to keep rolling, you know, four lines. Like they're all, they're all the same line out there. Like Bednar really wants to get his top guys out as much as possible.
2: Yeah, I think consistency is really the key right now in this time of year. And and when you have Um, something that's working on a consistent basis, I don't think you're pressed to get away from it. You're not really trying to save any. Honestly, the the focus for me right now for the Avalanche is getting out of this series as fast as humanly possible so that they can heal and do what it takes to get, you know, in particular that back end kind of sewn back up to its shape that it was previous to all the injuries. And we've seen uh, Josh Manson and Kale McCarr return to the lineup um, as the postseason began. Uh, but last year we saw Josh Manson paired up a lot in the second pair with Sam Gerrard, but so far this postseason he's been on the third pair with Eric Johnson, um, and we've also seen some shuffling in that top, the top four of the defensive group. Ezra, why do you think it is that Manson has been um, in that bottom group? Is it just because he's shaking off a little bit of rest?
0: Um, no, it's not. He's a third pair defenseman. He's, he's right where okay. he belongs. I, I mean, I, I don't think there's, I, I think he did a great job filling in for an injured Sam Gerard last playoffs. Okay. That's ultimately what he was up the lineup last year because of injury. Um, okay. uh, I mean, he was on the second pair with Gerard in the regular season as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but ultimately in the playoffs there, the guys that they wanted to have on the ice were Kale McCarr, Devin Taves, uh, Bowen Byron and Sam Gerard, and then Sam Gerard was out, so it, it fell on Manson. Okay, and he did a great job. Now he's he's rusty, he's barely played all year, and he's sliding back into the spot that he belongs, which is that third pair. Uh, and, and on the penalty kill, and he's doing a great job, I think. I mean, the game one was obviously brutal, but uh, <laughs> yeah. he's, been, he's been much better, game yeah. two and three. And, and, and I think, uh, as the team has gotten used to having him back there again and playing with him, so is everyone else. So it, it's a good
2: fit. Uh, and we've seen uh, Byram get paired up with Makar and Taves with Gerard. Uh, Ezra, why do you think that is? You think it's just to kind of spread the wealth a little bit of the shutdown defender? Uh,
0: you know, it's interesting because I think it, it, Taves had a, a rough game one, so it felt like it was maybe a punishment for him, but I really don't see it that way. Um, I see it as a way to free up Gerard to be the offensive version of himself that mm-hmm. kind of missed while he's been having to be a defensive stopper, covering the mistakes of a younger player in, in Byram and uh, of uh, lesser, uh, uh, capable, ca- less capable players. Uh, <laughs> in their, the elder statesmen and the Johnsons, mm-hmm. uh, or whoever else he's been forced to play with, Curtis McBurnett, et cetera, et cetera um so you know uh, i think this is this is a good mix really it it puts uh, a guy you can trust to be in the right position at all times next to a guy who uh, needs to have a little more freedom to to be creative to be at his best in in gerard and i think with the how well byram is playing uh right now um, you could trust him in that way but at the same time you want to free him up to be creative as well and he and kale can really cover for each other in ways that Uh, nobody else can in the, maybe, I mean, the two of them together is the brilliant future we've all been waiting for. And it's happening right now. It's very exciting. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And what's crazy is think about this. Byron still hasn't scored a playoff goal. So that, I don't know if that's considered bold enough, but that might be a good bold prediction for tonight. Um, (laughs) Evan, I feel like you were about to add something to that. Do you have something to say? I
4: I was just going to comment on the fact that we are getting a look at Kale and Bo together, you know, for the first of first time, and you know, however many years down the line it's going to be, right? And it's been a great look, and I think I'll kind of touch and add on to the to the fact of like the power play specifically, mm-hmm. uh, because we still don't have a power play goal in this series. Wow, um, right. Shorty. Seattle, yeah, we do have a shorty. Seattle got <laughs> there. Seattle just got theirs first in the in the last game. It was in like the forty second. Jaden Schwartz goal that was a. You know the non-factor yeah. goal, right? Um, so in that, in turn, I suggest, what if you try Byram on PP one,
3: hmm. like with car
4: You yeah. don't, because then, because then think about, because then you can have, then you can have those two right up up top, and then you can you know have McKinnon or McKinnon Rantin, Leckin, and Natchushkin, you know whoever whoever you want there in those other three forward positions. Yeah. Um, cause Byram, Byram and McCarr, they're both offensive defensemen. No doubt. Right? So, you know, they could be a fourth forward, right? Mm-hmm. It, so it, I don't know. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't hurt to try. I feel like maybe not in the playoffs cause it's playoffs, right. but maybe, you know, start a next season or something well, like that.
2: That's an interesting point though, because, if you think about it, the second power play unit has three defensemen on it, it has Taze exactly. mm-hmm. Gerard and byram so it's it almost would add a little bit of balance to those power play units if you did move byram it um, would. to that first unit jackie Bowen Byram's kind of your your person the the one that you like to to uh talk a lot about do you, what do you think of that
3: um well, yeah, more Byram's always good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I do feel like in general they leave a lot of creativity on the table when mm-hmm. it comes to the power play. Like, I know it's top five in the league and, you know, that's pretty good, but uh like, exactly in in this type of circumstance, I actually didn't realize they haven't scored a power play goal yet this series. Yeah. So, that is something that should be a concern because one, yes, it is a matter of time, but two, like, Especially when you might not get a lot of five-on-five five scoring because all your forwards are gone, you you absolutely were, are going to have to score on your power plays. So, I yeah, I just I wish that they would. I, I'm glad that they went with the 3D power play. I think that's one thing that I've been talking about for years, and they finally did it. But it's just so conservative to do it just on the second unit, and especially in the playoffs, they're getting like 15 seconds. Yeah. Like it's yeah. it's like nothing. So yeah, I agree. Like there should be. Maybe not, like, your first look of the night. Maybe make that a little bit more standard. But, like, if you've gone through two, three power plays and you still haven't scored, you've got to pull more tricks out of the bag. And I think, yeah, definitely moving Byram on that first unit is is one thing. I would love to have Kale freed up more as a shooter. Like, he shouldn't always have to be back on the blue line with those, yeah, quarterbacking and with those longer-range shots. Like, if he was moved down closer to the net... He can shoot on either side, and oh, yeah. his his shot's good enough to to score from there. So yeah, look no further are... than that
2: clapper from the basically the circle. So because that faceoff didn't come far back to the blue line, he came and got that thing and just right exactly. He loves
3: it. shooting. Yeah, that's a good point. He loves shooting from there, from like the top of the circles. That's like his shot. Mm-hmm. So if he could be freed up to actually get set up to shoot from there on the power play. I think that would be so dangerous.
2: Yeah. We've actually seen him and McCarr kind of switch roles. Excuse me. Yeah. McKinnon, McKinnon and McCarr switch roles in that regard where McCarr will kind of go almost to the OV office and start slapping away at those one timers. Ezra, what do you think about the power play? What kind of adjustments would you make? Or do you, do you feel like they're, they're doing the right things? We just haven't seen it result in goals yet.
0: Yeah, I mean that's 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 what I wanted to jump in and say here is is uh, the power play is cooking. It's not scoring, yeah, yeah. man. They yeah. look so good. They look so good. Uh, they're snake bit a little bit. They've hit it, I think, four posts on the power play yeah. if I'm remembering correctly. They've, they've uh, right. McKinnon's blasting shots uh, uh, off people's shin pads all over. Whitney C's asking his Byram ever quarterback the power play. And yeah, definitely with McCarr out, um, Byram got some 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 time on the top unit this season. Uh, so did Devontae's, but he also has quarterback the second unit when Taves was on the first. So, so yeah, Byram's had. If we also
3: mean like when he was in junior, I mean oh, he was sure. clearly yeah. the best player on his team. Also with um, Team Canada the World Juniors, so
2: so there's another like, possible creative yeah. solution is let McCarr be freed up for the shot and have Byram quarterback that first unit. What do you think of that? Yeah,
0: movie? I mean I do like that. I do like that idea. I think that's 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 a fun. I. Idea for sure, and I think it could be a good power play. But I also think what they have going is working. The thing that gives me pause on saying things are working is Nuttition's gone for (laughs) so long. So uh, he's a big part of that. He's a big part of why that that power play has looked so good. It did. It still looked good in Game Three uh, with I think it was Rodriguez who got moved up to the top unit. Um, But you know, it it could be worth giving Byram a shot there and letting Rodriguez uh uh and, and new hook keeping the the forwards on the second unit with yeah. i guess maybe Mulligan. Um, yeah. but but yeah i mean with how much they're giving the top unit over the second unit it seems like time. you got to yeah. get your time wise yeah it seems like you got to get your five best players out there and i think bowen byron is in that mix
2: yeah i think so yeah at this rate like you mentioned without basically your two best power forwards yeah, I think that's the case. Uh, Jacob, I saw you I'm nodding in your head. In front of yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Jacob, I saw you nodding your head in agreement when we met, when Ezra mentioned that the power
1: play is cooking. What's your take? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think that we need to freak out after a few games, especially when we've got you know, one of the games has been a complete throwaway game anyway, and so you know, they've got. I'm you know, just looking at the numbers now. They've got twenty-six shot attempts and twelve minutes and ten seconds of, of power play time. Like that's that's a, a pretty dangerous power play. Yes. And like, you know, like Ezra said, they've hit a couple posts. It's not like it's not like they're just passing it out there for, for two minutes and sitting on their hands. And so I don't I don't think there's any reason to worry other than yeah, Vladimir Nichushkin is a central part of the power play. You know, he's the one who goes and gets the pucks after they're they're firing it on net, and so you know, maybe that does change things. If they're still not hitting, hit the net. Now, all of a sudden they don't have the guy who can go and get the pucks. Then maybe you do have to start moving some guys around.
2: Yeah. I just, the net front presence is such an important thing on the power play. And I think that that does have a slight impact on why it's not working in its current construct construction, excuse me, because you need that guy who puts in the rebound off that Mm -hmm. bumper play.
0: Yeah, but but Arturie and JT Comfort can be that guy. That's true. That's, that's true. I, they're not obviously Gabe and 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 Nichushkin, but they're yeah they're very good at it. So that's fair. That's
4: I yeah. think that's what pe- that's what people are looking for. They're looking for the new Gabe or the new Valeri, right? Or new Vladimir, as as Jacob. <laughs> yeah, uh, all right. but I, no, think sure. I think it's a Freudian slip right, right there. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. no, but like I, I mean, that's what. That's what people are looking for, right? That's just, mm-hmm. it's the same thing with Alex Newhook. Alex Newhook is supposed to be the new Nazim Kadri, right? And mm-hmm. it hasn't turned out like
2: that yet. He's only twenty-two. Give him a break, right? Yeah. Can we scream that from the mountaintops with a megaphone a few times more? <laughs> He's only twenty-two. Yeah, I I I feel that Evan. That's a good point, yeah. and I feel that way about some of our defenders as well, namely Bone Byron. People like to throw him at least on social media. I don't know how much weight you hold that holds in your mind. But Mm. nonetheless, um, speaking of social media, feel free to head on over to our Twitter. That was a heck of a pitch right there. But head on (laughs) over to our Twitter for our weekly polls. This week I sent out one just to kind of get a beat on who you Avalanche fans think might need to step it up a little bit heading forward in the series. So the question was framed. Who would you like to see more from in this series and why? I gave you three options. They were Alexander Gorgiev, Dennis Mulgan and Alex Newhook. I also gave an other write-in option. Um, let's see, Evan. We haven't heard from you in a second. So let's talk. What is your answer to this poll and why?
4: Yeah, I I, I haven't actually had the chance to physically answer it on Twitter. So I'll physically yeah, I sent answer it out here. like 10 seconds ago. Uh, so that's only fitting. Oh, so that would do that. Then. Okay. <laughs> uh, on... You know, I want to say Alex Newhook, but I did just defend him, so I'm not going to say Alex Newhook. I'll say Dennis, I'll say Dennis Mulgan. Um Mulgan, you know, he he came in stretches, right? He he was he was ebbs and flows in in the season with him. I think what was it? He was on like a three goal three game goal streak or something like that sometime in the season, and then went cold, and then got like two more in a row, and then consistently got some more. So, you know, he's he's streaky right and if he's able to you know get that streakiness who hell no who knows maybe even starting tonight you know that would be that'd be real nice to see i think and it would definitely provide some some good depth scoring um that the ads you know might be looking for especially when the top guys are maybe taking the night off right or being passengers so um you know i i i'll yeah, that's my shout for Dennis Malgin. It's
2: yeah. funny that you say that about Dennis Malgin because that's a lot we've we have before compared him to Andrei Burakovsky um, when he was kind of in the heat of the moment of one of his hot streaks, and he is very much like you mentioned, like Burakovsky, in that he does have those hot and cold streaks. Um, Jackie, so far this poll is kind of surprising me. I was expecting uh, people to answer Alexander Gorgiev. And we're getting 46% of the vote so far is for Alex Newhook. What do you think? Wh- why why might that be? And, and do you agree or disagree with that?
3: Um, my answer is a little bit different, but I'll get to that. Uh, okay. Between the two, I think Newhook does have the spotlight on him. Like okay. people want to see a, a big goal, a big performance. Um, like Yorgiev, you know, it's interesting you frame it that way because it's kind of like do I don't know? Has he not been holding his, up his end of the bargain? Like, I think he has let in a few goals that maybe he shouldn't have, but he's also shut the door and yeah, made time. He, he hasn't lost the game, like, I don't think he lost the first game. Um, so at this point, I would say that like he's been meeting expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, I think everybody basically has. I, I don't really, I don't know. I don't really feel like anybody has just really, really disappointed. I think there's always hope. Like, the Mulgan thing, but he's, like, tertiary scoring.
2: Yeah. Like, anything you get from weird. him
3: is a bonus. So, I mean, it would be awesome if he could step up and have a huge game. But do you really expect that? I don't know. And, like, new hook you expect more from, obviously, because of the ceiling and everything. But until he's in a better role, like I'm not going to expect him to score yeah. two goals tonight, playing with Logan O'Connor and for 10 and minutes, O'Caviano. goal, every
2: five minutes. That's a goal. Every three shifts.
1: If that. I think two shifts,
3: I think somebody that could contribute offensively, like to see more from, I would say Gerard a, I'd love for him to have a big performance to shut everybody up. <laughs> and two, I, I like the pairing with him and taze uh it worked well when McCarr was out, and they went to that at the end of the season. And I think it's freed up Taze actually to be a little bit more offensive, which is how we saw him score the goal, and he's got a couple assists. But so um, I've noticed like Gerard hasn't really been shooting the puck or any anything like that, and so I think. He has more to give offensively, which I think people wouldn't say, people would just say he needs to grow and get bigger and hit people, which he does hit people. <laughs> he needs to grow. I'm just not noticing it, but I think for me what I'd like to see from him is just be a little bit more aggressive offensively and I think that can make a big difference.
2: Yeah, I'd like to see him be a little bit more of like the play creator that he was earlier on in his campaign with the Avalanche. I think he suffers from being found out a little bit um, in having played more than most young guys in his style. And I feel like teams have made adjustments that work against him. Um, but that said, that doesn't mean he doesn't have the potential to go back to, to doing exactly that, to certain uh, to certain matchups. I will say though, just to get back to how you asked, you you kind of mentioned that you're, it's interesting that I framed it with the, I thought Gorgiev would get more votes. I only think that because, I feel like a lot of fans have voiced their displeasure in it, in it seemingly being like Grubauer is the better goalie so far in this series.
1: Jacob, what do you think of that? Is there some truth to that? I mean, in game one, he was the better goalie. And so, yeah. you know, there's only been three games in this series. So at minimum, he's been the better goalie in you know, a third of the, of this series, like this is the problem with like trying to make grand proclamations around, you know, small sample sizes is that mm-hmm. essentially from the first, after the first period, uh of game two onward the abs have, have basically been the abs and i think that they've been playing pretty much up to expectations and so like when we talk about this series to me there's a pretty big dividing line after the first period of game two where it's just not the same team that that we're talking about mm-hmm. you know if, if i had to point to to any one thing that you know needs to step up in the series as a whole i would i would say the fourth line and you know we've had I think three different fourth line combinations in this series, so it's not like you can really say what you know one individual uh, needs to step it up. But Logan O'Connor has been the the only guy who has played you know on the fourth line in, in every single game, and in every game the fourth line has basically been truck sticked, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Nieto, Darren Helm, and Logan O'Connor in five minutes and 50 seconds of time together had 22% Corsi and 1% of expected goals. And like, Ooh. you know, you don't, you don't need Next. to, yeah, you know, you don't need to have your fourth line driving the play and, you know, put, put, but like, they got to at least play to at, like 40% expected Match. goals, you know, something, yeah. something like that, like. If you're, if you are, your fourth line is spending all this time in your own zone, pretty much every shift, you know, that leads to this imbalance in ice time that we talked about earlier in the show where Bednar just doesn't trust them and he's going to, you know, keep hitting the first and second lines as much as possible.
2: That's an interesting point. And Ezra, you mentioned last week, part of your bold prediction was that you thought that the Avalanche fourth line would score before the uh, bottom six for the Kraken you look yeah. Yeah, yeah. so that didn't happen obviously by your hilarious reaction um, well, are <laughs> you seeing the same the thing as Jacob league. is that changed I think what was
0: it uh, a minute and 20 yeah I mean I think that there hasn't been a consistent mix there and that was the strength of the team last year was you had True. Tom Cagliano and O'Connor together every game doing what they do and now with different guys down there, it's it's uh, every night, it's uh, it's just not the same. I think a big part of that is Helm, frankly. I mean, he's not the most important injured player. That would obviously be Gabe landis but he is an important piece who, who drove that fourth line's play. And with Cagliano also coming back from injury and maybe not being 100%, he hasn't been the same guy either. So... You know, I think you need O'Connor to step up in a way to 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 fill that role, and you also need Newhook to to step up and play that kind of uh, game with pace that I think he's he's gotten better at. Um, it's not really where I want him to be long term, but he's gotten better at doing it when needed. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see how it goes tonight. I think, you know. I, my my expectations for the for the team are high, and my expectations for that line are not that high, but that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> they yeah. just have to do enough to get by,
2: and hopefully tonight they do. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Good enough to get by, and like Jacob said, like 40%. <laughs> yeah, you don't need to win. Just don't yeah. get
1: destroyed. Like... Yeah, exactly. exactly. Well, I
2: think last week in our episode, Jacob, you put it like, I don't expect you to outscore the bottom four, but just don't – just don't get outscored by a ton is essentially yeah. what you how you put it. So, and and that that kind of happened in game one and didn't sort of happen in the in the following two games, which is although it happened a little bit, not quite to the extent it did in game one, which is which is funny. Um, I'm gonna kind of open this this part up, this part of the show up to everybody, but I wanted to dish out kind of one of the talking points that I wanted to think of, which was the way the Avalanche have started these first three games, and it seems as though. The Kraken have gotten out on the front foot. I do feel like in game three, the Az were skating well to start the game, which was a change. But I do think that the Kraken have had a little bit better execution early on. Evan, is there any explanation? Can you offer me any explanation to that? And then when you have an answered that, everybody's just open to communicate.
4: Hmm. You know, I I think it might just have to do with the fact that it's Seattle's first ever playoff series. And so they're getting, they're getting, we'll you know, hyped up in the room and like, coming out guns a-blazing right and you know oh nothing's going to stop us in the first five ten minutes of a game right and so they're going to bring that energy they're going to bring that that push and that power you know right away right Mm -hmm. whereas the the abs are kind of more methodical like they'll they'll grow into the game and you know try and get a feel for things to start off with and then you know decide their point of attack i guess right um Gosh, I'm sounding like my political science capstone right now. This is the strategy. This is the strategy and the way I have to go. No. But uh no, I mean I, I think I think that's just kind of how how the abs are. The abs have, have done this before. They're in this position. They know what to do and what not to do. Um obviously if they did come out hot like that, like Seattle does, it'd be nice for a pace of change. But then again, I don't as long as they don't do what they did in game one, then yeah.
2: You know, I wouldn't be too concerned about the slow starts. I wonder for the Kraken, if it's like, you know, the phrase, it's better to have loved and lost than to have not loved at all. Is it better to lead and lose the lead or to never lead at all? Because I feel like it's almost <laughs> demoralizing to yeah. have the champs almost down and out in game two, just to an extent you're up to nothing. Already stole the first road game of the series. You have the potential to, to really step on the champs throats. Uh, <laughs> What do you think about that opportunity, just, whoever wants to comment, can.
4: I, I, I will say, actually, because this is kind of backs up into the into our last point, too, which I found interesting. I'm surprised that you think it's Alexander Georgiev who needs to improve, or, like, the fan base does.
0: Because yeah.
4: he, he kept the Avs in game two in that first period. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, that could have been so much worse. That could have been so much worse, right? And, I think- you know, I, I think, I know, too, we've mentioned that, like, I think Yorkie has played what, like three playoff so games before sixth, the
0: start of the series.
4: Sixth game, I believe. Yeah. So like, it's it's probably his first NHL playoff learning start.
2: curve, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like. Give
4: him some time. Like yeah.
2: he's been great all season. You just, he's made the necessary save so far in the least important round of of uh, potentially, hopefully, in the least important round of hockey. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. I cut you off, Ezra. Whatever. No, it's okay. Say.
0: Uh, I just he, he's let in some goals that I would say are uncharacteristic yeah. uh, of him. So I think that's where that comes from. But he's also made the amazing saves that are characteristic of him so far this season. So uh, yeah, I'm with
2: you. Yeah, well, is there anything to to the four of you that sticks out that we haven't touched on yet? Oh, I wanted to talk about the the starts just briefly.
0: Okay. They've gotten they've gotten a better start every game. I, I wouldn't be surprised Great. if they did come out with the better start tonight. I also wouldn't be surprised if, like Evan was saying, they feel it out and then take it from there, like they usually do. But but really, like game one was brutal, game two was bad, game three was good.
2: So they're they're on the right track, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, they scored first in like fifty six regular season games. So, and it's, I don't think the Kraken made a habit of doing that quite as much as the avalanche did. So I would be willing to wager that that those numbers are going to kind of balance back out to the average. So, so I, we got some pretty good material for both predictions so far is all I'm saying. (laughs) uh, Yeah, It's definitely a
3: good sign that the Avs can come back after not scoring the first goal, because statistically, just in general, that is such a huge indicator of like, who's going to win the game. Um, I wonder, and I agree with everybody. I think game three was better. They just happened to get scored on. It wasn't like as terrible as the first two, but they've kind of fallen into a trap this year where if they don't really take the team they're playing that seriously, they tend to look like that. And I wonder if maybe the start of this series against Seattle, I mean, I know that they all say it's a hundred point team and blah, 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 but we've seen them kind of like their mentality, yeah. Um, match basically their opinion of who they're playing. <laughs> yep. And you can tell that like the intensity and just everything is ramped up when they're playing a team a that they point. I don't yeah. want to say the word respect, but just maybe fear I mean, a little bit more. It says a lot
2: that this team lost. I mean, I know the injuries were a thing, but they lost to teams like Chicago and yada yada, the list goes on. But they also beat teams like Toronto in the heat of the of their best success. So it's like that totally makes sense, and it makes even more sense when you consider the context of winning a cup already last year and you're like, ugh, do I really got to play get up for this one against the Blackhawks, which I know they're never going to admit because they're professionals and it's just not okay to do so, but that's just how I see it too. I agree with you.
4: I don't know. It's it's the the point about Seattle scoring first because I think they did make a good habit of scoring first in their own games, but I, I don't know. I could be completely wrong uh but you know i think i i definitely do enjoy the the progression that they've had as 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 Ra mentioned that like it was bad then bad then good right mm-hmm. so then hopefully tonight is great and then you know wednesday night is exceptional or you know something yep. like that so, <laughs> so i out not the big boy words here there you uh, go. Uh, What what how about we just go over like the general like the rest of the series because okay. i know that We can go into the controversy of the referees and the other Western Conference series, specifically that Kings Oilers game. Do you?
0: (laughs) You Oh, you have a lot. I was going
2: to say, how's how's the LA stuff out there?
0: (laughs) You know, I, I don't know. I I just. I haven't like, I don't have a lot of friends here that, that like hockey. I don't have a lot of friends here. Uh, (laughs) um, uh, (laughs) No, I don't have a lot of friends here that are into hockey. So I don't, I don't really have like a beat on, on how the Kings fans are feeling, but I just watching the game last night was, it was amazing how much work it felt like the refs were doing to get the Oilers back into it. It was crazy. I know that that's, that's a conspiracy theory. I know that's not true, but like, Man, some of the like, uh, hey, you, you got to keep promoting Connor
4: McDavid somehow, some way, for yeah.
0: real. And that's like good for hockey, I guess. So maybe keep doing it. But, um, <laughs> but like the trip call on Fiala, I just that one alone, I was like, okay, yeah. it, it's real. I'm right, there, there's, 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 that was insane. I don't know if anybody else saw it, but um, <laughs> uh, he literally body checked a guy, and got called for tripping. It was insane, yeah, um, yeah.
2: but that happened uh, twice in two different games, by the way. Yeah, two, right two sets of one, referees called that same terrible call in two different games. Yeah, I, I yeah. don't get the. This is a whole can of worms that, like, I could do an entire episode on the way <laughs> officiating and way the way it changes in the playoffs. And I don't mean that like like I don't mind the play changing. It's that's yeah. actually what it's all about. What happens is is the officiating changes, and, and that's I, where I have an issue.
0: And the, the the NHL has a, a system now where the refs each game for each series are different. So they're, they're moving refs around the country. The refs are getting flown from game to game to game to game. And I, I, I question that because one, you, the refs are probably getting burned out doing that. Mm-hmm. And two, like you can't just adjust to how the refs call the game when it's different refs every game. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know why they do that, but maybe it's to avoid any semblance of impropriety with one rep favoring in one team or something like that. I don't know, but you can, there's, there's a pair. I I forget who it is on Twitter. There's this guy who tracks the refs. It's not scouting the refs. It's somebody else, but I forget uh, who it is, but uh, he's like, uh, uh, this duo, man, I'm not giving enough information for this to make any sense. But he he identified a duo. He's like that game is going to be a shit show, and then yeah. <laughs> and wherever those two game those two refs go, that game is terrible. Well, I was and- going to
2: say, I feel like we've as Avalanche fans, we've been slightly unscathed so far this year in terms of yeah. know, officiating yeah. rhetoric, which is nice so far. Yeah, at least.
3: I saw something else on Twitter that was like the beginning of every series there's more penalties than usual, and then once you get to, like, game Mm -hmm. five, six, seven, there's fewer penalties, and then the deeper rounds you go, it's even more pronounced. So, it, yeah, it is kind of funny that way. It's like, they're trying to call penalties to set the tone, and then... Completely back off. Which... Yeah, it's like,
2: <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't make any sense because then you you set a press. What I see a lot of teams doing, which is what I think this is what Sheldon Keith meant when he talked about veteran teams manipulating officiating. What mm. I see a lot of teams do is they set the line. They they force referees to draw a line in the sand, but they put that set, mm. that that line at the highest point of what they'll allow in terms of the threshold. So if you move the threshold as far as far to the towing the line of illegality as you can, the rest of the game can be played dang near close to completely illegally. And mm-hmm. I think that teams do do that, especially teams that are slower. And you can't say, oh, it's just playoff hockey when it's something that teams are strategizing around. That's not playoff hockey, that's playoff manipulation. So I think what? that and that's the word that keith used which is manipulating referees and i think that that's that's true maybe that's just gamesmanship right if that's what your argument is whatever that's fine but i don't think that there's a lot of um class and character in winning that way that's just my opinion
3: well it's like you know that they want to try to even it up and Mm -hmm. so it's just so funny because not so much this year but like Especially in the years past, the abs would draw so many penalties and they get penalties early. Mm-hmm. And so then you look at it, it looks like the other team is always getting calls later in the game. And it's not because they're against the abs, it's just because they already gave the abs three power plays. And you know that they're going to try to balance it out. So some yeah. of that is the same thing. Like if you get in a scrum and you already know how many penalties they've called on one team versus the other, you can almost guess how many they're gonna, pen, yeah, they're penalties gonna. they're going to give mm-hmm. out. Yeah. I think that was also Keith's point. It was like, well, we were already getting a penalty, so they almost knew that there was they could do anything. Mm-hmm. And they at most, they were going to get one.
2: Well, and the other thing is, even in a bigger scope, but along the same lines as that, is we saw against the Golden Knights when the Alves lost in six, the first game they won, I think, seven to two. And they had, they, they netted like three of four power plays. And then the next game, the Avs dominated via the power play very much. So, again, in fact, I think they won on a play where Miko's stick got broken. And um, after the game, in uh, when they were up 3 1, I believe, um, excuse me, 2 1, uh, after the game, Pete DeBoer basically said, These refs are just calling everything for the Avalanche. What happened for the rest of the series, I think the Avalanche may have gotten like two or three penalties for the entire rest of the series when they had somewhere near like 10 or 12 in the first three games.
3: I think St. Louis did that too, and Brube complained. Mm -hmm. And then it's like the beginning of that game, St. Louis gets a power play.
1: (laughs) So yeah, that's another
3: question of is it gamesmanship, or is is that fair? Because that is like blatantly trying to control... That's and not it seems rules based.
2: Yeah, that's not rules yeah. based. That's the manipulation of the rules, which I guess is competition. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But that's Maybe something. in North America, I don't. I don't know.
0: <laughs> in a system where the refs aren't calling the rule book, they're calling how the game feels to them. Yeah, you're going to have things where the feelings yeah. are off and things get weird. And yeah, I think it's just. I know it's a hard game to to. I know call the rule book is is a is a kind of a stupid thing to say because there's break, broken rules on every play right every but like,
2: yeah
3: but yeah, nobody we, wants that many power plays I know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, it really is in.
0: yeah but like but like uh it, it just a little bit more of a consistent approach rather than a, a t- to two certain rules I think would help a lot like
2: yeah. cross checking
0: uh, uh the the play that got called in the LA game where um Kempe cross-checked Bouchard is absolutely a penalty. Yeah. But yeah. also that same cross check happened ten times in that game where the guy didn't fall down, so mm-hmm. it wasn't a penalty.
2: Exactly. And it's like
0: you're yeah. right to call it, but also they should have called it before too.
2: Yeah, not to mention right. the embellishment calls, it's like if you if you know that if you embellish, you're going to neutralize the penalty. What does that do to the, to the situation? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, especially when you consider the balance of the power plays, it's like, oh, I can probably go do something illegal, hope that he embellishes, and hope that both guys go off because we're owed one. And yeah, so it, right. it just gets it gets so weird. And I feel like if they played a little less to the unspoken rule, and played a little more along the lines of just like if that egregious yes got to call it you know mm. i get that yeah. that's fair that's what we used to i feel like what we used to see in in like the 90s and stuff was like was that an absolutely brutal penalty? Yes, I'm yeah, gonna have but to. But in call the '90s, that. it wasn't a penalty until you no, took. No. It yeah, sure. it no. it like,
3: yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. he's
2: missing his ear, so I think we're gonna <laughs> have to call it. Yeah. Gotta love '90s hockey. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, all right. Well, <laughs> let's uh, let's move on to this week's version of bold predictions, Mike. The bold
4: favorite. strategy Cotton. Let's part of, of the gospel. show
2: because I love to make I'm myself sound like bold. an idiot oh. for a living um let's just cover last week's really fast and i'll do it with one big giant buzzer for everybody <laughs> ouch we had uh under five total goals three to one abs in the first game i don't know i think you hit the under did you hit the under or am i losing my mind yeah that, that's um, the under yeah. EJ wasn't scored. That... Yeah. no ej scores his first goal that didn't happen he was six. I feel like with, it's
4: coming, though. Yeah. He, he was really. close with that empty netter. I was kind of <laughs> hoping that, he, that that was just going to be how he did He was close. That's it, a but... good
2: point. Bottom oh, well. six goal, Avs fourth line first. That didn't happen. Uh, Jackie, Thank you me. said two of three to – of them would go to overtime thank god it didn't since they all started (laughs) midnight um and you said first two minutes adrian in the game one that happened almost exactly in reverse so that's always wonderful maybe i should make a bold prediction on behalf of the kraken this week Um, but but i'll start with you ezra do you have something for me do you want me to get somebody else
0: uh no i can go first i think um we're gonna see uh two non uh mckinnon ranton and goals tonight uh I, I don't really know where they're coming from but there's gonna be two of them
2: two goals from not mccarr okay i like that, that i mean move. like
0: they're not even gonna get a, assists on them like truly gotcha. no, no no involvement. In them.
2: yeah yeah gotcha i like that because that would go a long way towards uh establishing confidence in the depth in the bottom six uh jacob
1: what's your bold prediction this week uh, I'll say they shut them out at some point the, this Ooh. week. They haven't. They haven't played a complete defensive game yet. Game three was was getting a lot a lot better, and I think that at at some point we see the the fire breathing abs come out where you know it's just one of those periods to open the series like 80 percent expected goals and just put Seattle on their on their heels the entire game. Yeah, I made a weird that it's meant split out. Yeah, I got to pick out. I can't really heard what Jeremy says
3: I got my like, two Stanley Cup rings in my ear.
2: <laughs> hey, blame it on so, them recording that.
1: Uh, fun fact, you know that Patrick Waugh did not come up with that that quote? That was not, No, really? Uh, yeah, he said it was uh, Mike Keene in the locker room came up with with that uh, that quote and then walked nice. it to the, the press. So, yeah, that was a Mike Keane quote.
2: That's really cool. That's I would have never known that. That's awesome. I All know. right, Jackie, your turn.
3: Am I gonna take the easy one that was already teed up for me?
2: <laughs> Do it, knock it out of the park, hopefully, too.
3: Byron scores. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, gonna,
2: I'm gonna make that a a spot from now on. Whenever he gets a goal, I'm just gonna hit that. Byron scores. I love cool. it. I agree, honestly, that's where uh, my money's not going tonight, as, as I like to say. Um, because I um I think the combination of us being due a power play goal and us being, um, and Byron being on a pair with McCarr, it's just like, it's got to happen one of those two ways for me. So it's, um, it yeah, I him.
3: still feel like they're doing overtime though.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Please God, not tonight. Um, <laughs> Evan, or sorry, Ezra, I wanted to get back to your, your, your prediction about okay. two goals from uh, not McCarr, not McKinnon and not and Do you Ooh. have a reason for that or is that like a hope? Um, it's, uh, all
0: my predictions are always hopes. Um, okay. but, uh, but also I just think like, I think tonight's the game where they're like, Hey, we're going to clamp down on this team. Okay. Like, like, like Jacob was saying about a shutout. I don't know if it's going to be a shutout. I think Seattle's a lot of firepower, but I do think tonight we see Colorado really take it to them. And that means death scoring
2: comes. Tonight. I love it right. tonight. Then my, to go in line with, with that, I will say that new hook, it's a multiple point.
4: Night. All that night. night absolutely wow. huge yeah that is definitely bold that that's a that's a bold hope we should change it to bold hopes instead of bold hopes. <laughs> 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 yeah
3: is every i not hope bold
2: and yeah, yeah.
4: I was right. gonna say I mean, Ezra said it. Ezra said it himself. Bold, bold hopes. These are more hopes than predictions.
2: Yeah, we're gonna just change it. I'll get new samples and everything. We'll, we'll make that happen. Um, yeah. So that's I like all of these, and yeah, the hopes. That's that's definitely what these are. We're definitely gonna change it to blind hopes. Um, I guess what I what I mostly hope for is that the Avalanche set up a an elimination game in Game Five. Because they were unable to eliminate a single team at home last year, and I think they kind of would love to do that for the home fans. What's up, Evan? As I was say, are you just skipping my goal prediction over here? Oh shit, you haven't given yours yet? <laughs> oh, I already wrote EJ scores first goal no, down man. for you. that was rude. It up
4: week.
2: That was <laughs> just rude. I'm saying so scratch on You're fired. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. No. But
4: no, but that actually leads really well into my bold prediction that I was gonna make because I've been holding on to this one now for forever. uh, When doing research uh, for my post game article tonight, because I'm already kind of pre written it a little bit.
0: The ABS have not yet. You got the script? The game didn't even (laughs) happen yet.
2: I've got got the script.
4: I've got the script, and here's what's gonna happen. All right. Okay. The ABS are gonna win tonight. Yeah. They're gonna win tonight, four to two. I like it. And they're going to come home on Wednesday night and they're going to clinch at home a series for the first time since 2008. It's been that long. Yeah, it has. Since they
3: what? Clinched any series at
4: home? Yeah, clinched any series at home. Mm -hmm. Since 2008. 2008, I guess, the Minnesota Wild. Because I was thinking back, like, obviously 2020 was the bubble. 2021, they had. They swept,
2: was it St. Louis? Swept St. Louis. Mm -hmm. That was the the year where O'Reilly put out a thing that said, we're going to win and it's going to be fun.
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. And then 2019, they beat Calgary in Calgary in five. And then 2018, they were out in the first round. 2014, they were out in the first round. 2010, they were out in the first round. So 2008, 15 years. Wow. See, we got more milestones to go That is a fun fact. (laughs) Mm -hmm. i know i was looking back i was like holy cow that's nuts all right
2: so then just to recap i got jacob predicting a shutout this week i got evan predicting a 4-2 victory tonight and clinching at home on wednesday ezra's got two goals outside of point production of McCarr, mckinnon and rantanen jackie's got a byram goal and myself, I have an Alex Newhook multi-point night. Imagine if all of those happened, this would be the wildest next week <laughs> of conversation that we've ever had.
4: Then then my my so on so crypt? Script? Good lord. Uh, would... I I might <laughs> get called... Ripped from the crypt?
3: <laughs> <laughs> we all might need to sign up for the, one of those gambling apps.
2: Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, so you're getting these from some sort of mummy these bold predictions (laughs) (laughs) you're the crypt Uh, keeper now yeah sure we'll say that so if you're getting these scripts man you better send them my way (laughs) because i'd be a lot less pissed off if i knew the outcome every single night Uh, well well, that's gonna end it for us (laughs) that's a great way to finish things uh you've been listening and watching the mile high hockey lab thank you so much for joining us i'm here with Ezra, Jacob, Jackie, and Evan, all contributors to the MileHighHockey.com and Mile High Hockey Lab. If you haven't already, please head over to our website for all of your latest Avalanche news, and be sure to like, subscribe, set your alerts, and share with your fellow Avalanche fans. Signing off just ahead of Game 4, hopefully the Avalanche can take care of some of our bold predictions and take care of the Seattle Kraken tonight and on Wednesday You, fellow Avalanche fans, I hope you have a wonderful evening. Thank you.
1: Mile High Hockey Lab. Mile High Hockey Lab.